Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings, and 10 years ago, I gave up my live streaming career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician, Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. And in this episode, I chat with the fabulous Polly Birkbeck, PR guru, and the lady who looks after the main man, Mr. Paul Weller. After a memorable time at Food Records in the early 90s, home to the likes of Jesus Jones, Blur, and Diesel Park West... She moved to music PR in the heady days of Britpop, before going on to represent many artists, including Paul Weller, at V2 in the noughties. And she's worked with Paul ever since, if you can call it work. You can find her on Twitter, at Polly Birkbeck, so say hello. And let's get into it. Polly, thanks for joining me. Hello, hello. Am I? Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're right. Hello. Now, you were in Black Barn yesterday, so let's get straight to the chase. Before I ask you about how you discover the music of Paul Weller, before I discover whether it was the jam, the star council, Weller solo, how was yesterday and how were the crew at Black Barn? Um, it was good. It went really well. We did an, an interview in front of the newspapers with Paul and it all went very well, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm not allowed to give it away yet. But yeah, there was a few people down there, Charles and Bill, and yeah, that was about it, really. Did this little thing come up? Did the podcast come up at all, you know? Yes, I was chatting to Bill about it. Bill was, you know, speaking very well of it, actually. Oh, hello, Bill. This is Bill Wheeler, who's uh, Paul's yeah, tour Bill manager, Wheeler. right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And um, I won't ask you if the main man has heard about it yet, because you'll only crush me, I imagine. He probably has, because I know they were sort of teasing Charles Rees, the engineer, because they said, oh, you haven't been asked. We've been asked. You haven't been asked. <laughs> But you I'm sure I've asked Charles. I desperately want Charles. I'm going to drop him a line straight after this. <laughs> and what's Blackburn like to be at as, as a place? And you, you obviously work with a lot of music artists and has them over the years. But what's it like? Because it's really near, quite near where I live. So oh, I can handy. Just <laughs> down it. So it's quite near where I live. Um, it's a really nice place, actually. It's a really good place to do interviews. It's very relaxed and everyone's very kind of quite chilled out and 
it's sort of it's quite it's just great there's lots of fun sort of stuff and memorabilia all over the walls and and things like that no it's a really nice place now i'm going to get to the crux of it when was it that you first started working with mr weller when did when did you first become his pr I, okay when he signed to v2 yeah i was the head of press at v2 records so i kind of automatically got to to work with paul weller so it was um studio 150 was the first thing I worked on and I remember thinking oh my god I'm gonna be doing Paul Weller you know proper legend and everything and um I've stayed with him since I mean V2's long gone now but I've stayed working for Paul since then so it's been about nearly 20 years now Wow, amazing, amazing. And that was a huge album, wasn't it? So that was Paul deciding to do a covers album, but it sold really well. It did really good business, that, didn't it? I I think it did. I can't remember that far. I mean, I've got a disc, sort of a gold disc here, so it says in excess of 100,000 copies of it. So is that quite good? That's not bad, is it? I'm I'm sure Paul would be pretty happy with that these days. That's not bad, is it? Um, and that was so, so Studio One Fifty as is now, and then the um, what was it? The Catch Flame Live LP was the Alexandra Palace one was was V Two. But a lot of people have caught, talked about this kind of next iteration of of Weller. And uh, I was talking to somebody earlier on where we were almost likening it to Doctor Who regenerating in a way. Yeah. <laughs> where and Twenty Two Dreams seemed like a point that a lot of people are talking talked about of, of Paul's regeneration. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean he's had a string of albums that have just gone down so well you know it's amazing it's really good that everyone's still really positive about all his new stuff as well it's remarkable really isn't it because you talk about when you were head of press so uh, you started the v2 to 2000 right i started at v2 yeah i think in 2000 i think paul got signed to v2 in god i don't know two 2001, 2002. So we're talking nearly 20 years. Well, yeah, we are yeah. talking 20 years ago. And before that, 20 odd years before that with the jam and the style council. So when, when was it you first heard the music of Paul Weller and, and what did well, it mean? I know he's kind of the boss in a way. So did you, I'm not going to say if you liked it or not, but can you remember? Of course I love the jam, but I was, oh, okay. I was, I love the jam. I love the jam. Take them off the radio, bought some of their records. Although I did swap my copy seven inch of Eaton Rifles for a pair of snakeskin stilettos with a friend of mine. <laughs> um, who doesn't love the jam? Yeah, I love the jam. Too young to have seen them really live. Just, but I think by the time I was going to gigs, they were playing, you know, Wembley and whatnot. Love Style Council as well. Right. So I've always been a fan. And at which point did your career in PR start? Because it was Food Records. Was that your first gig? Would that be yeah, right? I worked at Food Records, but I didn't do PR there. I was um, there was only like three or four people there, and I was like the A and R assistant, funnily enough, um, to a guy called Andy Ross who signed Blur. So I was there for a while, but I always wanted to do PR, and I ended up going to work for a independent PR company in the about ninety three. It was so we did a lot of the sort of Brit pop bands back then. Its company was called Savage and Best. We did all those sort of we did Pulp, Suede, Elastica, Menswear, Verve. You know, a lot of those are all sort of big sort of nineties bands. Yeah, didn't you win a Music Week award as well in the nineties? I came second oh. for Menswear, at which I should have won. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. That's what I said. I came second. Should have won. I always maintain that. What was the music? What would it have been for? What was it? PR campaign of the year. Oh, of course. Yeah, menswear. Men's had had such funding. Menswear. In fact, I just did their uh, 25th anniversary reissues. Weirdly, no, 25 years later. <laughs> Bloody hell! That's, rid- that's ridiculous. I, I liked menswear. They were good. Well, it was great fun. Yeah. They were great. Yeah, and then I left there. 
I went to V2 in 2000, 2000, yeah. And so when you finished at V2 and Paul moved on to Island Records at that point, you stayed with him, but was, well, that, your, was that your own operation then? V2, they, um, they scaled down and so I got let go, but they let me take um, my, the acts I was working on with me. Paul being one so and then a year later V2 went tits up so that was quite a lucky escape really <laughs> who else um, did you have because so, Stereophonics were on V2 at the time as well they were on right. V2 but I didn't work for right. them I did, oh, I did a real kind of mishmash of stuff because at a label you don't choose what you get to do I mean I did things like Kirsty McCall I did oh. Carla Bruni um God, I can't think. Ricky Lee Jones. Um, they all. I did a lot of kind of quite good, you know, heritagey type acts. But um, Liberty X. You know, what else did I do? I can't remember. What a granddaddy I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was a real kind of eclectic kind of mix of of acts. And how does it work? So for those of us that don't work in a world of PR, how would you describe your day and your work for Paul? What What do you do for him? I you know, hopefully get him in the print media, you know, what's left of it, you know, magazine, you know, Mojo front cover, you know, newspaper interviews, get the album reviewed everywhere, get the news stories out, that kind of thing, really. I mean, obviously with someone like Paul, he's quite in demand, so it's not like I'm sort of begging at people's doors to write about him, but I've got to be sort of quite selective what I do. But we've got, um, yeah, got some good press coming up, actually. Yeah. Funny enough, I've just been talking to Danny Eccleston from uh, Mojo. Oh, yeah, you know about the... So I know about the Mojo. Um, oh, well, this, um, yeah, I can say Paul edits Mojo. Yeah, that's going to be great. Oh, that's oh, yeah. brilliant. He's shared a couple of bits with me. It's, it's incredible, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. He's had so. really quite a big bit of input into it, actually, as well. Yeah. Quite hands-on. Job, yeah. And for a PR point of view, presumably you're also there to deal with a crisis. And I can't, I'm trying to think if there's been any before, and I can't think, I can't think of any. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I've had to deal with the tabloids and sort of send them packing if they wanted, like, I think when he had the twins, they kind of wanted to know more and things like that and bid them away, but don't really have much trouble with that side of things actually and when you're organizing so Paul's like yesterday you had an interview day um you'll have stuff lined up for fat pop the new album which we'll talk about in a sec are there questions which you know are there things where you have to go please don't ask him about whether he's going to get the jam back together <laughs> you know the interviews he does do he won't get someone that's going to ask him something as you know banal as that there's a one thing when we do photo shoots the one thing no holding a guitar in a photo shoot. Often they say, oh, can he hold a guitar? Nope. That's the, the one thing we always like, veto immediately. Are there times when he's come off at like a back of a question, like an interview, and, it, and there's been like, oh, he's gone, oh, God, that was terrible. Or, oh, that yeah, was probably. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually the finished interview where it's read, you read it back and you think, oh, God, that's not very good. Or the way it's been presented. Or, you know, sometimes the journalist can you know, give it a sort of a slant that's not really what you wanted. <laughs> Mostly okay. Now over your shoulder, I think top right there is As Is Now. Is that right? Oh yeah, well, As Is Now. 2005 V2 Records. What, is it, what does it say on the little yeah, pack? Presented to Polly Birkbeck to reckon our sales in the United Kingdom in excess of 100,000 copies of the V2 album As Is Now. Yeah, they were quite good V2 at giving us gold discs. <laughs> That's probably, they were, probably why they went bust. They spent so much money on giving everyone. So much money on actual gold. <laughs> this and it must be difficult because I'm talking about the boss in a glowing way like this. But the hit rate of the amount of albums that's coming—you've been busy over the past twenty years, haven't you? 
It's amazing. He's um he's so prolific, you know, it's great. And uh, it astounds me every time he puts out another great album. I mean, Fat Pop is going down really well. Lots of people are saying it, that it's one of their favourites of his um, solo albums. So Yeah, and I was thinking about this because I was looking through the press ads for some of his most recent albums, right? So you have these kind of one-pages in Mojo, for instance, and, and it's like four or five stars. And like every album that I can think of, I was going back and they're all like four or five stars. This is nuts. <laughs> and I always think, oh my God, when's this amazing run going to end? But, you know, hopefully it won't. Yeah. So when do you get looped in? If we talk about maybe from true meanings onwards, because it's been a, like a really quick time, I think, what's that, what was that, like 2018, 2019, like the last, like three albums in three, four years. At which point do you get looped in? Of course, doing this new thing. Is that from Clary's oh. manager? How do you find yeah. out, out about it? Well, Usually, straight after the release of one album, it's like, oh, I'm working on some new tracks for the next album. And I get to hear some quite far up front if I go down to the studio. So it depends, really. So I have heard, you know, sometimes seven, eight months up front, maybe I might hear a track. Yeah. Wow. Because I go to the studio, you know quite often so sometimes we, we're lucky we get to hear a, a new track which is going to be on the you know the next album and on the sunset was phenomenal obviously a number one album so well done yeah. from a pr yeah. point of view well done congratulations yes bonuses all around when he said oh there's another album like in, in lockdown i've recorded another album we need to go again but you must be like what really <laughs> do you know what it didn't really surprise me really? because what you're going to be doing you can't go anywhere you can you know so he had his studio and of course and he's you know he's always mind is ticking over and writing songs and it doesn't really surprise me that you know because he had the time to do it more really didn't he i guess there's a challenge as well every time of trying to think of new ways to approach pr right in, in terms oh, of definitely yes so how does that is that like a collaboration between the two of you or are you having to take ideas to and pitch how does that work i take ideas and pitch I mean, he generally doesn't do loads of interviews. He'll probably do about two. And to be honest with you, I mean, obviously the dwindling print media, it's not that's not much left anymore. I mean, I, I used to have, as Mojo Uncut and Q as well, they would all be sort of like, oh, can we be the one that does him? Can we be the one that does him? So I'd sometimes have to sort of, you know, they'd have to fight it out between themselves in a way. And, you know, so we generally do a monthly and then... You know, he's not a great fan of interviews like most artists, but we usually like to try and do a newspaper. And, you know, I get requests a lot and we sort of see what they come up with. And then I say, well, why don't you do this and that? And then we pick one that we think, well, he'll be most amenable to and he'll write a good piece, you know, and which journalists they select, you know, and things like that. Because there's, you know, certain journalists that we like and who are big fans of Paul. So... Sort of organising. There must be an element as well where you know, um, I guess when you talk about like selecting the interviewers, there are people that he's become closer to who can... There are, yeah. But at the same time, you know they're not going to write a piece where it's just like, here's my mate Paul kind of thing, yeah? There is a sort of a, a little koshery of, you know, people that often write about him and are big fans and who he's generally got to really like now as well. But you don't want to use the same people all the time because it gets a bit predictable, really. So we sometimes, you know, find, you know, quite sort of random people that you wouldn't expect. I think um, one year um, Polly Vernon did an interview for the Times magazine and um, it was quite a cheeky interview. She asked him quite a lot of quite personal questions, but it was a really good, um, it was a really good feature, I thought. 
and she just about got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Pete Pathides about one of the articles he did. You know, on the last night of the tour, 22 Dreams, I don't know if you remember this story. So he'd gone on 22 Dreams the last night, back on the tour bus, they're all absolutely hammered. And um, Paul takes him to a kebab shop and then ends up leaving all his, his kit in the in the back of a taxi. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah, that was ages ago. Oh, poor Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so there's these little gems at time when you read these articles and just you, you feel like, um, I don't know, you're getting to know something about Paul as well, which is the art as well, because it's not just about, you know, tell me how you wrote this song. You know, you've got to talk a bit about the creative process and then other stuff as well, but you know, depends, you know, who the journalist is and how much he gets on with them and what they can get out of him, really. Well, I don't know if you know from the podcast, but obviously my life was a former broadcaster. I was a former radio presenter who gave up my career 10 years ago. One of the things I never got to do was interview Paul, obviously. He does do radio interviews with people. Yes, he does. Um, you know. and, and there are times when you can, <laughs> you do feel sometimes that he's loving every second of it. And other times where you think, well, yeah, he wants to get off the phone. <laughs> um, well, yeah, there's obviously there's, there's people he likes talking to and others that he doesn't really know very well. But, you know, you have to do a certain amount of promo, really. Having to get up really early in the morning and talk to the radio is always not number one on the list of favourite <laughs> Yeah, do. you're right, because the big audiences are at breakfast time, aren't they? So you have to, yeah, it's the crack of dawn, Bayberry, well, Zoe Ball and all that, yeah. I remember the, when VT, the radio pluggers, used to have to go in at like six in the morning to be there ready to do something for whoever was on the breakfast show and stuff. And I think, thank God I'm not a plugger. <laughs> <laughs> and do you get involved in plugging the tours as well? So would it, is it everything for Paul, well, the music? And, and I mean, the... I, obviously I write all the press releases of everything and I um, send all the tour dates out. And hopefully I organise for people to review it and I sort, you know, any reviews and the guest list for that side of things. Yes. So we try and get as quite a lot of as many reviews as possible from newspapers or websites even and stuff like that. When you do those ads and they're like the reviews and it's like four stars, five stars, you know, the number one album on Sunset, that helps drive attention, drive more sales, is it? Or they always that that's something, you know, labels of voice and they always ask me, can you put a list of that's nothing I'd do with a list of the quotes and then they use them on the advert. That's much, that's something that's been done for the last 10, 20 years more than it has been before. So I can't remember the last time you would have had to have done a bit of con, um, control management in terms of a duff review. No, there may be a three out of five one. I think the Financial Times gave on <laughs> Sunset a kind of a three out of five and that was about it. What are the Financial Times reviewing? No, they do, yeah, they do, out, they do yeah. album reviews, yeah. How bizarre. I think, I think once Metro were a bit sniffy, Probably. otherwise stars everywhere. And there's obviously a part of your job is also keeping stuff to yourself. As a PR, you cannot be a blabbermouth. So you can't be telling me, for instance, is stuff that Paul's going to be doing in two years' time and all that kind of thing, can you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You can't get drunk and spill the beans is the key thing, isn't it? You can't, no. You know, you have to, he has to trust you, I guess, is the point I'm making, right? Yeah, you know, you can't sort of tell everyone about his private life or anything like that, not at all. So can you tell us anything about Fat Pop Volume 2? <laughs> Because <laughs> um, he must be. We've had a lockdown three, so has he been making again? Probably, actually. I'm just. Yeah, he has been in the studio, um, his studio, but I haven't heard anything yet. I mean, he's bound to have done, bound to have done. But Fat Pop, you know, it's got who the guests are on it. It's got Andy Fairweather Low on the track. Obviously, the single that came out today, Shades of Blue has Leah, his daughter, has co-written it and sings on it with him. And Zoe Ball played that this morning. Bug, bug. The singer, I can't remember her name, from the Mysterines, who Paul really oh, yeah. likes. Is, on, is it, like, it, it Liar, Leah? 
Leah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Called True. I really like that track, actually. It's great. That sounds really good. Hopefully, they'll do that together live. Initially, Paul's idea was that these were going to be singles. Oh, yeah, there was talk of that. Yeah, they all sound like singles. Somebody said that. I think Stan said that they all sounded like singles, actually. Was the plan to release them as singles? So rather than like initially... I don't know. Now, that's something the label would have discussed. Oh, wow. In the new Mojo, he talks about the fact that now the single doesn't... The single doesn't really exist as a thing now, really. Although you've talked of like, Shades no. of Blue, I think... Well, is I called a single, it a single. Or? And I was talking yesterday about something and I said single whatever you call it now track you know yeah paul talks about impacts tracks i think oh my god impact dates instant grats and all this kind of jargon that's used now it's hideous hideous sorry everyone (laughs) hate it instant grat oh but it's such a different industry to when you first started out, isn't it? Like, oh, it's i am quite bamboozled by all the streaming stuff still i just sort of think I don't really understand about digital service platforms or whatever it is they're called. I just sort of, that's just left to, to them. And sometimes I just think, I don't understand. No. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, here's a new song from Paul. You can get, wherever you get your music, it'll be there. <laughs> just go and have is a look. Single? Is it a teaser? Is it an instant grat? You know, yeah. instant grat is basically another word for teaser. Okay, an instant grat. Oh, okay. Instant, um, oh yeah, like instant gratification, I suppose it stands for, possibly, maybe. <laughs> it's interesting though, when you look at how the, the album has to be almost drip fed now, which is very different of Declan O'Rourke's new albums out today, which Paul has produced. And, yeah. and, I'm, a, and I'm a big fan of Declan, I think he's great. But I've already heard six of the tracks because there's been that, this drip feed of, of the songs. So it feels very different when you actually get your hands on an album now. It feels very different. Yes, I don't, I know. Because they do, they put out, you know, probably about four tracks don't they around the release of an album now this thing at the barbican on may the 16th is there anything you can tell us about that gig some special guests but i can't tell you who <laughs> what if i name people and then i can just watch your eyes and nobody I'm else who's listening needs to know but i can just tell myself <laughs> I am paul weller steve craddock and james buckley is that right is it james Not, buckley no, no that's james buckley is the guy from in between us <laughs> Is it Jules Buckley? Jules Buckley, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And a full orchestra. Yeah, a full orchestra. Wow. They, I'm excited about changed. Yeah. I think there's two special guests. I know one of them is really quite exciting, I think, anyway. Male or female, you're allowed? Nope, not no, not the same. Oh, you're so good, Polly, honestly. You're very good. Um, but I'm excited about that because I think I saw Paul on the Forest Tour a couple of years back, um, but the gig before that was the one at the Raw Festival Hall where he works with the orchestra with Hannah Peel. And that was oh, just, yeah. oh my God, just it was brilliant, fantastic. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That so went I'm, down so well. It was really special. It was brilliant. Do you get to go to some of the gigs as well? Do you get to experience Paul live? I get to go to. Well, I always go to at least. I usually go about two a tour. Now I can go. Yeah, I go to loads. In fact, when he played it, was it the O2? I remember thinking, oh, I've got to go to the O2. But I thought it was an br- absolutely brilliant gig. That O2 gig, the last one. Yeah, I didn't go to that because I'm a bit like your reaction. That's my reaction. It's like, oh, the bloody O2. It's always a nightmare to get home from. <laughs> yes, I was to leave. For me, I always have to leave Tortian because I don't live in London. But I tend to go to, sometimes I go to Portsmouth or Bright, Brighton. I went to a Brighton show. I, it's easier for me. So, I mean, I live in Surrey. When he played in Guildford, that was like, hallelujah, <laughs> because I couldn't drive there. Where do you gravitate to then? Are you a mosh pit kind of girl or is it? Oh, for that now. I like to sit down. <laughs> A seat for me, please. I want a seat in somewhere where I can easily get out to go for a wee. Because <laughs> I'll need to go about five times during this gig. <laughs> yeah. 
No, like sit down. When you have a press day, how much of it is bang, 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 you're going through the interviews? How much time do you get to spend with Paul and just having a bit of a chat? I mean, he might do a lot of international things in one day, which is organised by someone else, which tends to be like phone, a phone, a phone, a phone, a phone. Or he might do a bit of online stuff, which will be sort of, but with the print press, usually quite big interviews and they involve a photo. So we just do like one in an afternoon. We won't do loads at once. And they often come down to Black Barn and things like that as well, do they? Yeah, they do. People are always really happy to go to Black Barn, which is good. And it's a really nice place, you know. But yeah, sometimes we do. He does. I mean, there's a cafe in West London near where he lives that he's done quite a few interviews in. I remember once, my little anecdote, like until we were doing an interview for, I think it was Sunday Times. I think it was for um, something to do with the jam, actually. So we were sitting in this interview and Kiki D walked in <laughs> and he sort of, and he started chatting away to her, talking about his mu- her music, and, da, 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 and they were having a really good conversation. And she sort of left and came out and said, Oh, do you know Kiki D then? He went, Oh, no, I've never met her before in my life. <laughs> Just that musician's oh, code. Well, <laughs> no. He was like, <laughs> I'm really excited about Fat Pop, as are so many of Paul's fans. The artwork's wonderful. I love the artwork. Yeah, I love it. It's um, Alex, Alex Borg, the guy who's done the artwork. I'm going to be chatting to him on a future episode of the podcast. It's, it's nice, isn't it? He's a, he's a new person. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not sure he's, of coming, his name. he's coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think, um, and it's, I really like it. I remember there was some sort of artwork like that in Black Barn. I think he'd sent them, and I remember thinking, oh, that's really nice. And they've just, yeah, it's great. One of the things they have to think about now when you're promoting a record is the world of social media. Yeah, um, Paul just tends to eschew social media, as everybody knows. One of the things you ha- they have to think about now is obviously how everything looks in social. So creating these little animations of Fat Pop and the, yes. the shades of blue and all that stuff is really cool. I think it's it? looking good. And I really liked the um, the, the uh, video that Douglas Hart did for Cosmic Fringes. Did a little sort of, that was great, I thought. A clip. <laughs> Do they call them a clip or a film? Do they call them a video anymore? Who knows? Well, I prefer those to the lyric videos, I have to say, because you don't often get oh, like yeah. a proper video these days, do you? Can you tell us, is there anything more to come before Fat Pop is released itself? The Fat Pop comes out on the 14th of May. You know, the sort of shades of blue. The issue of Mojo is out, that Paul edits, is out on the tw- about the 20th of April. So that's out then. What is he doing? He did Zoe Ball this morning. I'm just not sure of any other telly or radio there is. One of the big things from Paul Weller, I think, is is his love of music. So it's not just about making music, but he's a he's a proper like collector and listener and it, absorber. Yeah, his enthusiasm for new stuff. I am completely. I think it's amazing. I mean, I get a bit jaded about oh, I'm a bit long and so I've heard it before, but he is so enthusiastic. It's it's fantastic, and he's always saying, "Have you heard this? Have you heard that? Have you heard this?" And I just you know I don't know how he manages to keep so enthusiastic about it, but he really is, and he he seeks actively seeks out things, and he's ready to hear different things, and you know people whose you know taste he likes recommends him, he'll stand things out. You know, I mean, I played him something yesterday, like a, a I can't say what, a remix of of something, and he was like, "I really like that." See if that guy wants to remix something, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know. Nice. Yeah, but there's so, there's so many recommendations I've had from, I mean, Declan O'Rourke we mentioned earlier was one of them actually back in the early days of Galileo. Oh, he's been time. a real flag wave for yeah. Declan for ages. Because Declan was on B2 actually, and I think that's how Paul right. discovered him. And he's always been really, really vocal about him and really yeah. sort of waved the flag for Declan. Yeah, but so many artists like Erlen and the Carnival, and I know he's worked with Erlen Cooper yeah. and stuff recently. Um, Black Pumas, all these bands, you just kind of go, oh my God. And I've seen the, the new issue of 
with Mojo magazine, there's like loads more recommendations. And yet immediately you write a list and you go and seek them out. It's brilliant. I can't remember what he chose for the new band. Oh, there was a there was a list, and well, I don't know which one made the grade in the end. Was it the Mysterines? Yeah, it might yeah, have been Declan. Yeah. It might have been in Declan. I- it's remarkable because I don't know. How, we were saying on one of the earlier episodes, I don't know how he gets time because I've got two young kids. He's got three young kids. Like all he's doing, surely, is just watching Paw Patrol, like I am. How is he getting any time to himself whatsoever? I, can't, I don't understand. That. I've got no control over the music system in this house whatsoever, <laughs> or the telly. It's remarkable. Uh, well, this has been so lovely, Polly. I have to say, thank you so much for giving us Thanks, a bit of, bit of insight into your world and how it all works. I love hearing about this kind of stuff as well because the, the minutiae of the inner workings of the Weller Circle is a fascinating thing. Um, oh, from- no. The team. Yeah, but no, it's lovely. And I hear this about Black Barn so much of the, you know, the Black Barn team and stuff. So I have two final questions for you, Pauline, before you go. Go on. All right. You're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life. It can be the jam, the Star Council, or solo. Which one's it going to be? It will have to be down in the tube station at midnight. Oh. That's my favourite. I love it. It's my favourite jam song, one of my favourite songs. Have you ever asked Paul to play acoustically for you when when you're together? No. (laughs) (laughs) Final question before you go. The aim of this podcast is to secure that interview with Paul, the one that I never managed in my entire radio career. If it happens, and Polly, you've got to help me make this happen. If it happens, what should I talk to him about? Or better what should i avoid what should i not talk to how would i cock it up (laughs) obviously don't talk about the jam he does like talking about he likes talking about fashion and and he's really likes talking about new music as well loves talking about new bands from what i what i can see and hear so yeah that but stay away from the older the jam (laughs) he'll bring up the jam if he wants to but otherwise a bit a little bit but not constant you know and never ask if the jam are going to reform (laughs) no well no leave it we've got we've we're done with it because it is that legacy and i do feel that in recent years he seems to look at that leg and realize it's a legacy and realize it means so much to people and he's happy for that without having to bang on about it right yeah, and he still does the songs, and I'm I'm really pleased that he does a lot more Style Council songs now because I think they sound amazing now. I think there's you know more more Style Council. I think he should reform the Style Council for like a one-off gig with like Mick and Steve and D. Or, I don't know if D would do it. I think it'd be amazing to see the Style Council. Yeah, yeah. The Long Hot Summers, the little bit at the end of Long Hot Summers was fabulous, wasn't it? Wasn't that so lovely? I mean, it brought a tear to what, my eye. That I have to say. Documentary. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, and Mick and Paul. Are still mates and mix on I think mix on fat pop as well isn't he hey Polly this has been so lovely thank you so much when, when are you Dan. next down at Black Barns you know yet uh, I think next month um, I think he's doing something yeah next oh <laughs> oh I should okay <laughs> interesting all right well give my best won't you and um, oh well, you and, never know fingers crossed yeah he'll be in the little corner of the screen <laughs> oh no I've got to be at Black Barn I don't want none of this Zoom nonsense we'll be out of lockdown by then that'd be lovely he has done Paul has done some Zooms believe yeah. it or not yeah, he can make me a cup of tea. I understand he's bloody good at making cup oh, of tea. Oh, he's so. a top tea maker. He's always making tea. Polly, thank you so much. I'll let you get on with the rest of your Friday All right, night. Then, thank you so much. Bye. My thanks once again to Polly Birkbeg. What an absolute star. And obviously, I hope we get to meet again in the very near future. Plus, since we recorded that interview, details have now been revealed about that Barbican gig. We know Boy George will be joining, James Morrison, who I love, and Celeste. Wow, what a lineup. All with Paul, Steve Craddock, and Jules Buckley. You can find ticket details, obviously, on Paul's official channels. Now, next up, Mix Up, 
the legend that is Mick Talbot from the Style Council, who joins me for a very special episode. Clear your diary as it lands Tuesday 11th of May, an hour and 20 minutes chatting with one of the nicest men in music. I'm sure you're going to love this one and all of the little surprises that we have within. Don't forget, share this episode on social media. Please do leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us to find new listeners to the show. In fact, text a Weller-loving mate right now and tell them all about it. You can find us on Twitter, at WellerFanPod, or on Facebook and Instagram, it's Paul Weller Fan Podcast. I'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.